Hello, and we are back again with Empire of the Cop Insider. I'm your host, Sarah Keeling, and we've got covering Liverpool's Neil Jones here with us today. Uh, Neil, I mean, it's fair to say that Mo Salah promised Liverpool would be quite all right without him whilst he was at the African Cup of Nations. <laughs> I'm not sure how many people believed him, but I think it's fair to say he was absolutely right. Uh, since the 4 win over Newcastle, we've beaten Arsenal in the FA Cup, Fulham in the Carabao, Bournemouth in it action-packed second half of action at the Vitality Stadium. Four goals without reply against one of the informed sides in the league. I believe since their 6-1 loss to City, uh, they've secured 19 out of a possible 24 points, excluding the defeat to us uh, last night. But this Liverpool side just keeps on powering through. Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel a bit vindicated in terms of how I thought the game would pan out. Um, it wasn't dissimilar to how how I felt it would go down at the Vitality. I, I maybe didn't think it'd be 4-0, but I certainly thought it'd be one that Liverpool would maybe have to suck up a bit of punishment and, and take the time and, and find a way into the game. But once they did, and once they got that first goal, they were yeah, they were they were pretty pretty impressive, I have to say, and dominant performance. Obviously the biggest away win of the season. And I think that's probably something that slipped under the radar a little bit. You know, we, I feel like we I feel like we have conversations on this show and we often talk about the negatives around Liverpool and sort of, oh, is it going to last? Well, the top of the Premier League and they're also top of the away Premier League table. You know, we've had conversations about the away form and can they go and win games like this? They're answering pretty much every question that gets put in front of them at the moment. And it's good to see, you know, it's um, it's only it's only January, but if you want to be putting yourself in the position to, to challenge for, for major trophies, to be challenging for Premier League titles and everything else that comes with it, then you couldn't have done much more than Liverpool have done in the opening 22 games of this season. No, absolutely, absolutely. I think a large part of that has been the fact that despite all the sort of injuries that have been creeping up, the lads that sort of Jürgen has been sort of putting in have very much been paid the face. I mean, Neil, I know as much, you're as, at least as much a fan as I am as bigging up sort of the academy lads. Um, so let's start off with sort of Conor Bradley because, I mean, Jürgen was very impressed with the performance after the match. I, I think he... He bemoaned the sort of missed header, but that was pretty much the only piece of critique. Uh, you know, talking about how he has all the sort of ingredients to thrive uh, in, that, in that fullback role. It's another senior start in which, you know, he does repay the manager's faith and he does showcase effectively the superb work the academy has been doing in, in recent years. You know, it's, what, what have you made of this sort of latest performance from him? Yeah, I, I'm really impressed, like everyone, I think, with, with, with Connor. I mean, I think it reflects well, you're right, absolutely, on, on, on the work the academy have done. And obviously, Connor came at 16, so he's he's been at the, the club for four years now. And, you know, they've obviously prepared him for, for what, what it takes to play for Liverpool. He's obviously got talent and he's obviously got a decent mindset about him. But I think what it also reflects really well on is the environment that Liverpool have got at the moment with, with, with you know, that can welcome and is hospitable to, to young players. You see some clubs... Um, where a young player comes in and maybe they get left on their own a little bit and some of the senior players potentially are, are too wrapped up in their own worries or they're, they're, they're struggling for form themselves. Maybe the manager is a little bit of a flip-flopper and he, you know, he changes his system from one week to the other or he, you know, he, he doesn't fully commit to, to, to a young player. But with Jürgen Klopp's Liverpool, it's always really been the case that you know if a young player's brought up, he's treated as if, well, you're good enough, you're here for a reason, let's see it. And you're back to, to to be yourself, not just to not just to come in and sort of you know fill a hole, but to but to be yourself and express yourself. And 
you've seen that obviously in the best possible way with with, with Trent Alexander Arnold. You've seen it with with Curtis Jones. You've seen it in a different way with with Harvey Elliott. Um, in the um, in the you know last couple of years in particular. But you can list others as well that you know when they've been called upon and maybe they've only been called upon for half a season, a month, six games. They've been able to do it. You know, think of Tyler Morton in in, in twenty twenty two. Think of Kay Gordon starting a, a, a league uh, cup semi final. Think of Ben Doak at times. Stefan Bychetic last season and now Connor Bradley looks like he's one that's at least given himself a shot of being around the first team in the long term. And I, I really like him. I like. I like the the manner in which he plays. Obviously, I think he's got clear areas that he needs to develop. He's still very skinny and slight, and you know you can see sometimes when he you know he gets involved in physical duels that maybe it's going to be um, a challenge for him. But I look at the other stuff. I look at the ability on the ball. I look at the way that he can you know get into the final third consistently as a fullback. And I look at the, the the mentality that he shows to, to to stick to his task and to really get stuck in and to do the job that. The manager needs him to do. I think he's made a very, very promising start to his senior career. I think as well, but what it does give Liverpool is the option almost. You know, we've had this thing almost. If Trent's not there, who do we bring in? You know, do we need to sign someone? Do we need to potentially spend, you know, a lot of money? We talked uh, on the last show that we had together about how Joe Conte could potentially save Liverpool millions. You could argue very much the same for Connor Bradley. And I think amid sort of the the long-term question that's sort of on everyone's mind in terms of where Trent best fits in this Liverpool side, whether it is indeed midfield in, in in the future, that does then give Liverpool the option of going, well, if we do want to make that move and say, for instance, Conor Bradley does continue on his sort of current trajectory uh, and improves and certainly builds on his uh, frame, as, as you rightly mentioned, that, that is an option Liverpool could explore in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And you want squad depth, don't you? And it's... It... It, it they've shown how difficult it is to find right backs. You know that they, they, they've literally they they had they had an England right back in, in Nathaniel Klein who wasn't good enough for for what for what Liverpool needed. They obviously had the Welsh international right back in, in Nico Williams who wasn't deemed good enough. They tried to buy a Scottish player in in, in Calvin Ramsey. Um, yeah, maybe maybe Northern Ireland's the answer. Maybe maybe the other the other one of the home nations is <laughs> um, is the answer. But it's difficult, and it, and it's also difficult to recruit because you could yeah you could go and say well spend spend some money and buy an established right back. But does an established right back want to do that? Does it does he want to want want to put himself in that position where actually Trent's not been injured for for two years and that means that you've only played in the League Cup or a couple of Europa League group games or whatever. So it is difficult. I think what it does give Liverpool is it gives them in-game options, of course, they can move Trent in there safely, knowing that they can bring on a right back. They can obviously use Joe Gomez as as a sort of a floating kind of um, utility player, if you like, as, as you know, wherever needed. Um, and also, just I think it just gives some hope as well to some of the younger lads at the academy that you know, it was put to me early in the season when we talk, this was about Jarrell Quanta. Funny enough, I was speaking to someone around Liverpool, the club, and they said, well. This is what the academy's for, really. The academy's for your your, your fourth, fifth choice centre back, your, your second choice right back. You know, your sort of your, your your sixth forward player who's going to come on in in the odd game. You know, pe- people I think do get carried away a little bit with the academy is they have to be ready immediately, and and people like Trent probably, you know, are the, are the exception to that rule. The real the real success of the academy is having players who can fit into the squad and do what 
Quance has done this season and do what Bradley's doing at the moment. You know, let's not forget, you know, we had Owen Beck come off the bench, obviously, and, you know, the game was won, but got got a chance to make his Premier League debut. We had Bobby Clark, obviously, doing um, bits at Arsenal and coming off the bench uh, against Bournemouth. Kate Gordon on the pitch at the end. I think there was a statistic. It was the first time in, I think it's 60, uh, nearly 60 years that Liverpool had six players, 21 or under, in a league game. Um, and and then they had Curtis who's twenty two, and they had Conate and and Mc, and uh, others who were twenty four. Darwin, they, they had Quanta who was unused, so they could have had even more. So it does it does bode well. I mean, it, it is it is out of necessity in a way, but there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I remember Robbie Fowler coming into Liverpool's team out of necessity in in sort of nineteen ninety three, and he made his impact. I think Trent came in out of necessity to, to Liverpool's team, so. Good on them. Good on these young lads that they, you know, in a, in a difficult time or a potentially difficult time for Liverpool, they're making it a lot easier for the manager and the rest of the players. I think necessity ultimately breeds opportunity, and you know, if we get you know these players get the minutes, get some time in the limelight, get to show off their capabilities. I mean, Liverpool are ultimately stronger for it. We've come out of this period with, with, with the wins, as you know, we said and. It, it, I think it bodes well for everyone, really, and it's a fair play to the academy uh, for all the hard work they're doing to behind the scenes. You, you mentioned uh, Curtis Jones, and I do want to talk about Curtis Jones as another academy product uh, as part of the midfield sort of conversation. Um, I, I mean, it, it's a pretty gutting sight, I suppose, and it's sort of seeing him sort of walk off. I think he's done the sensible thing. I think he's sort of gone, oh, I'm, I'm dealing with something here, I'll take, I'll take myself off here. So ho- hopefully, you know, it, that, that indicates perhaps that he's avoided the worst possible yeah. result <laughs> for that injury. Because I'd imagine that Jürgen's going to be quite upset if it is a serious one, because he's been so reliable this season. You know, we talk about how much balance he brings to the midfield. He's so reliable on the ball. You know, he finishes every game in a, in or around sort of the 90% mark for sort of passes yeah. successfully completed. You, you can just trust that you stick him there. He'll be absolutely fine, whatever, whatever the circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, it, you're right. It is. It is a worry. I mean, the, the the the. I suppose the if you were if you're glass half full, you'd say, well, Liverpool just gone three 0 up, and he sat down on the pitch and sort of made made it clear that you know give them time to get a, a replacement ready, and you know um, he was able to walk off. Obviously, it wasn't you know it wasn't sort of he didn't look in obvious um, pain, but. Yeah, if if you if you're unable to continue because you feel something in muscle, the chances are you're going to miss the next game and probably the game after that. Um, fingers crossed that's that's not the case. I think Liverpool could really do with them at, at Fulham on Wednesday, um, and then they could give them a rest at the weekend against uh, against Norwich. But you're looking at those next two games after that in the league, Chelsea and Arsenal. You want to have Curtis Jones in your in your team because, like you say. he gives that balance. And I thought it was interesting that Jurgen sort of described the first half and he. He explained how he'd spoken to Curtis at half time. I think he, I think he basically said that, didn't he? So we, tactically, we weren't quite right. We weren't getting it right with our, the way we were playing. And he said, and "I had a word with Curtis," and that just shows you the responsibility that he's got in the team. That a that he's so important to the way the team plays, but b that he's trusted that when I explain it to you, you know, you, you'll get it and you'll be able to fix it. And fix it, he did in the second half. I, I mean, I, I, I thought he was terrific. And you look at the the, the, the part he played in the first goal. Obviously, a lovely. Lovely positional, uh, sorry, lovely position he takes up. Great first touch and, and a quick pass. But then after that, he just he he McAllister really 
got bossed again, didn't he? You know, they just looked so in control. He, as I say, he's, he, he's, he's very reliable on the ball. He, he very rarely gives it away. He very rarely finds himself in a, in a position where he can't protect the ball or, he, you know, he's not in a position to go and try and win the ball. So yeah, he's become an essential part of this Liverpool team. And I mean, we're hoping for some good news on the injury front this week with Soboslai, with maybe with Trent, maybe with Robertson. Uh, obviously, still got Simakas getting closer to his return, but that would be a yeah, it would be a blow if if Curtis was to join the missing list, even if it was for one or two games, because he's uh, he's very very important. No, as you say, that he's taking on more responsibility, and it is sort of proving a lot of the sort of doubters wrong. You know, it wasn't sort of that long ago you get so many sort of neutrals even some Liverpool fans sort of say arguably it's not that important a midfielder in sort of the grander context but if anything is proving otherwise and certainly you mentioned McAllister there there have been so many doubts over the, his capabilities in that sort of number six role but I think it, it's it's fair to say he's very much proving you know his, his ability to sort of play that role I mean some of the stats in the match 87% pass accuracy 15 ball recoveries 12 ground duels one nine tackles four key passes He's having a lot of influence there. It's in yeah, that sort of holding I, six role. Yeah, I, mean, I that, thought he was out. Is that a good enough option for the long term? Good enough option. He's a World Cup winner. He plays yeah, for Argentina exactly. and he's played in the Premier League. Um, yeah, I think, you know, Jürgen was clearly making a point after the game to Jamie Carragher and Sky, wasn't he? He said that, you know, basically, you all say that he can't play a number six. Well, we're top of the league and he's played most of the season in that role. I know Endo had a good spell before he went off to, to the Asia Cup. But McAllister's been Liverpool's go-to player in, in that position for the bulk of the season. And they've had really good results. I think that was his best all-round performance for Liverpool, I think, this season. Absolutely. Um, he, you know, he, even in the first half, when it was a bit of a sticky game, I think he was the one who rose above it. And, you know, looked like he, he had the answers. You know, he was playing some lovely passes. I mean, that, the, the one he hit out to Nunes, um, right to left in the first half, was remarkable. Um, but he, he played a few of those, you know, little little ones where he he, he turns and, and plays it around the corner and into feet. And, you know, we know that he can do that. And we know as well, really, that he can do the defensive side of it. We've seen him do it at, at Brighton, albeit from a, a slightly more advanced position, maybe. But we know that he, he's got bite, you know, that he's got awareness. He can read the game. Maybe it was just around... That it, those early days, just getting used to a new new team, new surroundings, getting the right structure around, and I think Curtis Jones has been quite important in that sense. Um, obviously having the legs of Sobislai next to him for the first part of the season helped. Um, I think he's a, I think he's a fine player, McAllister. I think he's he's the least of Liverpool's worries. I think that the only worry is probably keeping him fit at this moment in time because, like you say, some of them some of them are dropping like flies. A couple of them are still away at, at international tournaments. Um, so you need all the bodies you can get, and yeah, I don't, I don't expect to see him playing against Norwich, for example, on Sunday because I think Liverpool need to wrap him in cotton wool at the moment. No, absolutely, absolutely, we have to make the most of the, the options to use the squad at our disposal. And um, I was wondering if you saw the sort of the Sky's coverage sort of post-match when they were discussing sort of the performance of the, the front line. Uh, Carragher was talking about Diego Jota and sort of comparing the quality of his finishing to some of the best strikers in our history, uh, Suarez, Fowler, Torres, Salah even. Um, where, where do you personally rank sort of uh, Jota in that regard? I mean, I can't believe some of his finishing, even that first one, uh, which is yeah. such a tight angle to score from. It, it, it's so pinpoint. It's, it's so precise. It's, 
I, I think I think Carrick is right to be drawing those kind of comparisons. Um, but I'd, I'd be yeah. curious to see where sort of most people think he does rank amongst some of the best finishers. Yeah, I think he's got Fowler esque traits about him. You know, he's quite two footed. Obviously, he's good, really good in the air. Um, for, for despite not being you know a huge in in size. He do, there are elements that remind me of Fowler. He's, he's very uncomplicated with his finishing and he finds the corners quite a lot. Um, you know, if I compare him to someone like Diaz, for example, and this, you know, this is not to, to sort of denigrate one, but I feel like Diaz is quite predictable in what he's going to do with his finishing. You know, he sort of often wants to cut in and, and look for that sort of one into the far corner. Jot has got a variation in, in his finishing. You know, that, like you say, the first goal he scores yesterday, I'm not sure. Nunes, for example, scores that goal. I'm not sure Gakpo scores that goal. Um, you know, it's it's very Jota type. You know, it's uncomplicated. It's just hit hard and and, and hit accurately. And yeah, he's definitely got that that way about him. You know, he's the one in out of Liverpool's front five really. Who, you know, if you sort of if you want that striker type finish, he's he's the one who's going to provide it. Obviously, that's even allowing for Salah who gets goals by incredible numbers and you know incredible variation in his goals but Jot is the one who gets the number nine sort of finishes I think I think it reflects well on all of them you know four four really good finishes really I mean I, you know, I think Nunez's two were very very good and um, one touch finishes and the type that we're we're keen to see him score more of you know albeit his all-round performance or his all-round contribution remains high we still want to see him put more away more of those chances um I mean, Jonathan's second one is is uh, the worst piece of the worst piece of play and the best piece of play all in one. <laughs> um, fair fair play to him for that, but that's again that's another clinical finish, isn't it? And you know, Liverpool have I think they've been guilty a little bit at times this season in certain games of of not being clinical, you know, and not making taking advantage of um, of dominance or, or opportunities in games. But they didn't. They didn't let themselves down in that regard against Bournemouth. You know, they had. I think they had eight shots in the penalty area in the second half and, and put four of them in the net. So that's all you can ask for. Not many teams have been to Bournemouth this season and and, and done what that done what they've done. Um. So, yeah. Keeping them fit again. I'm repeating myself, but keeping those players fit, getting Mo Salah back fit as well. Um, that'll give Liverpool a chance. I think, yeah, Virgil van Dijk, I've got a quote here, actually, I think from Virgil van Dijk, he said, um, what did he say? He said, if we stay in game, if we stay in the game, no matter which game, then we always have a big chance to win with our quality up front. And I think that's the best, you know, best way to sum it up. You know, Liverpool Liverpool knew they were going to win games this season. It was a case of whether they could do, tighten up the rest of the team and, and become more solid, more resilient. They've done both um, and, and fair play to them. It's got them into a great position. I mean, it's been very reflected in the results, hasn't it? You, you get, I mean, Liverpool, it's very much a tale of two halves. We, we always do seem, but I suppose that's the point. We do always seem to improve in the second half, provided that we are still involved in the game. You can kind of trust that, you know, Jürgen will have a chat, with, as you say, with Jones and sort of say, right, I need this sort of tactically. Um, we need to approach this differently in the second half. And Liverpool do come out of the blocks a lot quicker. Um, you, me- you mentioned sort of Nunez. One of the key stats that sort of emerged after the game was that he was the first player in the Premier League to reach 10 goals and 10 assists in all competitions. Uh, This season, uh, 20 goal contributions in 31 games at a rate of one goal or assist every 87.85 minutes. Not bad for a flop, I have to say. Um, I I, I don't know about you, because I appreciate, you know, we talked about this, he does need to improve 
various aspects of his game, mainly perhaps his finishing. Because while I appreciate he's not the finished product, it's incredibly frustrating to be hearing this narrative about him week after week, the suggestion that he's a borderline flop, the suggestion that he's wasteful to the point of uselessness. When you have players like, for instance, Rasmus Hoyland around, but the narrative is seemingly a lot more forgiving and patient and encouraging. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah. when can we expect this to, I mean, will this flip? If, if that wastefulness suddenly becomes, you know, Haaland-esque levels of finishing. Yeah, well, when he's got his Premier League medal around his neck, I think that might might change a few people's opinion. <laughs> I, 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 I agree. I mean, I've sort of got into this feeling with them around, use Roberto Firmino as a, as a comparison, really. And, you know, we never talk about Roberto Firmino's goals, really, when he was at Liverpool. I know he had, you know, he generally got you 14, 15 goals a season. I know he had one one real good season, didn't he, in the uh, 17, 18, where he got 27, I think. But he genuinely got you the same amount of goals every season. He got you roughly the same amount of assists every season. But we never talked about Roberto Firmino missing chances or being wasteful or you know need to score more or improve his finishing, whatever it was, because everyone knew what he brought to the team. Or, well, everyone at Liverpool, certainly, or every Liverpool fan knew what he brought to the team and, and the difference that he made to that attack. I feel the same about Nunes. I, I think the difference is that Nunes gets more chances, more obvious chances. Um, and so people feel like he's he's costing Liverpool when actually, if you watch games, can you imagine Liverpool if he didn't have Darwin Nunes at times this season, how little thrust they might have had or how different it would have looked in terms of their, their ability to, to upset and unsettle defences. He influences pretty much every game he plays. Um through his movement, through his aggression, through his, you know, his his, his wear rate, his willingness, um, and to that end, really, I I feel like it's just it's just time to sort of take him for what it is. He's he he's got he got 15 goals last season. He's well on target to get more than that this season. He's obviously got assists. You know, like I say, double figures for assists is not bad for a centre forward, um, at all. I don't I don't ever recall Haaland. Getting getting those kind of numbers. Um, don't recall probably Ruud van Nistelrooy, people like that getting those kind of numbers. So you can't have everything. You know, it'd be nice if we could, but you can't have everything. You can't have him scoring thirty-five goals a season, setting up twenty-five, and taking every single chance that comes his way. It it isn't reasonable to expect. Um, so I think from a Liverpool point of view, just look at is he influencing the game in a positive way? Yes. If that's with goals, that's even better. If it's with assists, then great. But no matter what, and even if he doesn't get on the mark or he doesn't set up a goal, he's definitely making Liverpool a more difficult team to play against and giving them a chance of winning games, which is what they've been doing all season long. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And ultimately, it's you know, Liverpool have come away with the points thanks you know, in large part to him. Do you know what I'd love to hear? I'd love to. I, I, I should probably try and get on this, but I'd love to hear what Andy Carroll thinks of of. of oh my word! Yeah. You know because I like you know the disrespect that's shown to to to, to Nunes is clear, but also to to, to you know to Carroll, it's like well, what does it mean? You know, like sort of Andy Carroll scored, played for England, played played plenty of games in the Premier League, scored big goals. You know, this sort of this weird comparison. I don't. I, it doesn't do anyone any favors, does it? It's not. It's a strange. Um, a real strange thing that, that people have done. And I tell you, I, I wrote to me stuff today. I think Andy Carroll would be quite pleased to be compared to Darwin Nunes. I think he'd absolutely love him as a player because he gets stuck in. He makes defences, you know, 
uh, edgy and yeah, he's um he's twenty four years of age and hundred goals in his career now that was as well, wasn't it? Yesterday I think he's just got to hundred and one. So he's um yeah, he's he's not doing too badly as uh is Darwin. No, not 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 too badly at all. As you say, I think it may have to come down to the point where you see him with a Premier League medal, a Champions League medal Maybe. next season, perhaps. You, you know, <laughs> before this, until the chance die down. At, at the minute, I, I think it just I think it just fuels him. Uh, it, it, to be honest, I think he's he's one of those players that seem to sort of you get a reaction from him when these sort of chances around him. Um, I mean, yeah. let's, let's, I, I do want to talk about sort of the, where we are with the points now because it's a five point gap that we've opened the city. I should stress. They do have a game in hand, of course, to play. But it's another difficult win, you know, against an inside, an informed side in the Premier League. Um, to kind of just say to City, you know what, fine, keep putting the pressure on us, but we'll turn around and put the pressure right back on you. We're very much in yeah. this uh, for the long haul. I, I mean, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's way too early to be talking about where Liverpool will finish this season. And certainly, it's, it's not it's not a big question I'd like to put to you whilst I'm sitting on the fence getting splinters. But Liverpool are very much in this for, for, for the title challenge. We may not be able to comfortably say there will be Premier League winners at the end of the season, mm. but you can be sure that they'll be there or thereabouts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, they've got difficult games, but everyone's got difficult games. At, at this stage of the season, obviously with with injuries and with with, with just the, the the strength of the league, um, so there's a long way to go. But yeah, Liverpool have put themselves twenty. 20 you know, they're they're top of the top of the league, the top of the away league. They've got the best goal difference in the league. They're they've lost one game in the league, or you know, since it back going back to April. There's enough evidence there now to say that no, this isn't just a sort of a you know a, a lucky run or a. A, a brief purple patch. This is this is a this is a sustained period of of excellent form for Liverpool, and that's what's given them the chance. They've obviously got that spectre if they can stay sort of right where they are now. They've got the spectre of City coming to Anfield later in the season as well. So there is the chance for that that real six pointer that could you know could 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 almost fire fire you to the title or, or, or the, the sort of the hail mary if it's gone wrong, you can fire yourselves back into the title with it with a victory. So. There's, there's there's lots lots to suggest that Liverpool are going to be right there at the end of the season. You know, I I, I heard um, I listened to Talksport on Saturday when when um, Arsenal were playing Crystal Palace and they went five 0 up and I heard Talksport say, "Oh, Arsenal have fired themselves back into the title race." And you think, well, they've beaten Crystal Palace at home. You know, it's 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 sort of it's to be expected. But that's what Liverpool have done. They they've put they've they've put it on these other teams that if you don't win. You know, and you do drop a couple of points, it can all of a sudden look like oh, they might they might be out of sight. So the pressure is on Liverpool as the leaders, but it's also being put very firmly on the on those below them and behind them, because they know that at this moment in time, Liverpool aren't slipping up. They're not they're not going to Bournemouth and and, and treading on a banana skin. They're not going to Burnley on Boxing Day and, and 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 finding it tough. They're not you know sort of missing chances against Newcastle and not finding a way through. They they go and do that. You even look at the cup. Um, win at Arsenal, you know, how many players they had missing and changing the team and all that and they go and win. Everything at, at the moment from Liverpool is 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 laying down the gauntlet to the others to say that are you going to come on this ride with us? And listen, I think if they can get out of the next two games four points, Chelsea and Arsenal, I, you know, I don't see any reason they can't get six, by the way, but if they can get four points out of the next two and then go into February with that sort of momentum still there, I, I think they're going to take some stopping. 
looking at some of the players that we are to get some good news you say about Sabol's lie. Robertson Samikas um, then alleviates a lot of pressure in the back line. You're looking at sort of players like Gomez, who then you can just use primarily, you know, as yeah. a centre half, as sort of right back cover. Maybe let's go right back you'll cover have, now. You've got kind of Bradley. You'll have Endo back. You'll have Endo back next month. You'll have Salah back next month as well. So yeah, there's 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 a you know a lot's been made of De Bruyne coming back for City, you know, but you know that's that's fine, but. Liverpool have got players as well that are going to make a big difference to their 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 prospects and their their ability to change games, and they've already been doing pretty well without those players as well. So yeah, it does does bode well. Okay, uh, either who you know both in their own right could can make an impact on Liverpool season, especially uh, that that man, the uh, Spanish maestro Thiago Alcantara, uh, would certainly make a difference to Liverpool season uh, if he can get back in time to make an impact. Uh, I, I mean. It's hard because I remember sort of speaking to you about a couple of weeks ago um, and sort of saying, you know, I think we both sort of agreed Liverpool could do with a signing if they can make the right season and have that sort of reassurance of cover. But um, <laughs> I'm almost increasingly of the mind that Liverpool could very well get through the season without because of, you know certainly the lads that we are seeing back we're getting through this period this difficult period in January and as you say we're building some momentum I mean as I'm saying this I am holding on to the desk for dear life like the door of the Titanic um it's it, it's into this period without sort of more midfielders potentially dropping off without defenders dropping off yeah. and leaving us in a bit of bother um but share that viewpoint in that we just shouldn't i know there's obviously a grander context to play of course uh with the sort of uh the psr rules financial fair play and you know it certainly seems that a lot of clubs are sort of almost looking at the landscape and seeing where letting until the summer but do you think it's just more that's what's going to get to the summer and reevaluate the sort of environment yeah i, I think it was always looking quite likely that Liverpool would more likely that Liverpool wouldn't sign someone than they would. Um, I don't think that's changed, but obviously, yeah, when you see Canate go down, you think, oh, please, no. You know, that 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 was a worrying moment. Obviously, you see Curtis limping off, then it, the, the prospect is there that it could change and you could all of a sudden have to make a, a move. But I don't think Liverpool will be, be rushing into anything at this moment in time. I think they'll be looking and, like you say, players coming back in, in, in the next few weeks position they put themselves in some of the younger players making an impact you know Quanser, bradley bobby clark potentially um owen beck so the i think they'll feel like they're not in the worst possible shape they're obviously not really as at risk with the the, the psr rules as some other clubs so they've let they've left themselves some wiggle room but i think if they could do their business you know ideally they'd do it in the summer when they can get a good run at what they what they really want, what they really need, as opposed to, to having to react late in the, in the January transfer window. I think they'd rather do that. But like we've seen in, in the past, if the right player comes up at the end of a January window and it's available and it's the one that Liverpool have wanted, they'll do it. They've shown that they'll do it. I think they have the money to do it and the wherewithal to do it. Um, it's just whether that opportunity presents itself. And to be fair, the, 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 the window really generally has been pretty quiet, hasn't it? You know, there's not been a lot of movement across Europe, really. There's been a few loans, a couple of signs in the Premier League, but I think Sky Sky have been left pretty disappointed with that yellow ticket. It's not been um, it's not been as lively as in previous years for sure. 
so to speak. I think it's only Tottenham that have made a side yeah. right in Radu Dragasin of Genoa. Um, so it, it's yeah, it's extremely quiet. And Brighton, of yeah, Brighton, Brighton, Valentin Barco. To at one point, uh, I'm I'm very sure in a few years there'll be another sixty sixty million pound player that they've developed. Uh, that's that's uh, incredible. Um, I mean, I'm going to contradict myself sort of slightly, but uh, I'm curious about from the sort of sporting Lisbon uh, point. We've seen plenty of the links to uh, Gonzalo uh, Inacio. Um, more recently, to his centre back partner Isman Diamande. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, I, I wrote about this a week ago. I do feel it's almost a very Canate sort of esque potential signing in the sense of you look at Sporting, you see all the links tend to sort of revolve around Inacial. But you know, similarly, a few years ago to Leipzig, we're looking at Upamecano. Everyone thinks we're going to sign Upamecano. We then go for his partner in Canate, buy Munich, get uh, Upamecano, and he fits the bill better. I'm, I'm, I'm curious about Diamande from the perspective of when you look at sort of their aerial, comparative aerial ability. So, for, for instance, this season, it's quite a stark difference. Um, Diamande has a 71.8% aerial dual uh, win rate compared to Inacio's 45.6% win rate, which is absolutely massive for me because, especially when you look at Liverpool's sort of current array of centre backs, with Kwanzaa being sort of the minimum threshold at about 66.7%, and then you get to Van Dijk's numbers, which are 82%, Canate 69%, Massett pre injury was 73.7%. You know, for me, I, I struggle to envision. A reality where we buy a centre back who wins less than fifty percent of his aerial duels. Um, you know, obviously it comes down yeah. to sort of a, a greater, a bigger picture than that. But I, you know, I, you certainly get the impression with sort of the Klopp signings, he does like a centre half that's yeah. very dominant in his own box. So I, I, I don't know, I don't know what you make of those sort of links. Is that for you as well? Sort of almost makes a bit more sense than the national. Yeah, well, I, I can't pretend that I've seen them. I've seen them play football, so uh, you know. It, it, look, they're going to be linked with the centre. Like we, we had it, we had it. You know, how many times? How many names have you thrown at me on this show? Where you know, what about him? What about him? What about him? Absolutely. They're going to be linked with centre. They're going to be linked with centre backs until they sign one. Um, Diamande, obviously, very minimal experience. You know, twenty odds uh, or thirty. Yeah, twenty-eight games in the in the sport. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, for, for in the league for sport. It's a very small sample size for for, for a, a centre back. You look at Canati had a lot more, obviously. Matip had many, many more. Um, you know, even even someone like Kabak, I think, had a, had a, had a lot more than that. Um, when when they signed on on loan, so it would be it'd be a gamble for Liverpool to go and spend it. But he he does look he does look oh, from the from the, the reports that you read about him and the, and the, and the trajectory that he's on. In his career, he does look like he's a player that's got considerable potential, as indeed does at Nacio, as does Antonio Silva at Benfica, as do many others that have been linked to Liverpool and, and will continue to be linked. It's whether it's whether it's the right the right deal for Liverpool, the right fit, and I think. And what? How old is he? Twenty. He's the I right age. Is, I think it is twenty. Yeah. yeah, he's twenty. Yeah, he is. He's just turned twenty, so he turned twenty in December. So he's just turned twenty. It's the right age. Well, Liverpool have got a twenty-year-old centre back in in Jarrell Kwanzaa. Now, maybe the difference would be what 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 would set a new Liverpool signing apart from someone like Jarrell Kwanzaa and Ibrahim Akanate. The obvious one would be a left foot. The the obvious other one would be the ability to play as a full back as well. So maybe you'd look at Liverpool squad planning wise being a little bit more sort of 
you know, looking for variation. Of course, you'd still want certain elements, and I think you're right to, to point out that the aerial Jules one is huge, you know, matter for all his um his ups and downs fitness wise, he's always had a very consistent um record in that regard. Obviously Virgil van Dijk is the best in the business in, in that regard. So yeah, I think that would be one of those things. But you'd also want someone who's comfortable on the ball. You'd want someone who, you know, you you look, I mean Canate gets some criticism for his, his his work on the ball. I thought it was excellent yesterday. You know, I thought some of those line-breaking passes that he played, I think that's why we've all been so impressed with Kwanzaa when he's come in. We obviously know Gomez can do it when he plays and Van Dijk. So you need someone who's going to be off that level. It does stand out when you've got someone who maybe isn't as comfortable on the ball at centre-back, someone like Nat Phillips, potentially. Um, so there are attributes that Liverpool are definitely going to need. But in terms of, in terms of who they're going to sign... Your guess is as good as mine at the moment. I think we can just face, safely say it'll be a young player who's on the up. Absolutely. I think you're right to point out as well. It is more about uh, an aerial dual success where it's also about how comfortable they are on the ball, the line breaking passes. Yeah. And I think I'm sorry. And how often they're available as well. I mean, that's another another key one, isn't it? You know, they've they've. They, you know, I think that's a massive one. Been been a massive success for Liverpool this season with the four signings, haven't he? I know McAllister missed a few weeks with a. It was a wound, wasn't it, that that, that he got um, at Sheffield United. You know, Endo's been available pretty much the whole season. Gravenberg's been available pretty much the whole season. So Bosley, until this injury, you know, you've got you've got thirty games, I think, from from him this season. So that availability is key for for Liverpool if, if going forward. You know, it's it's one thing to buy potential and talent, but if they're not on the pitch. Then they're no longer potential and talent. Absolutely, absolutely. I suppose that's why we've almost seen the links to Nasia as well, because you do look at this sort of pass, you know, passing sort of progressive sort of statistics, and he does rank extremely high compared to sort of other centre backs in Europe's top five leagues. So, but it comes down to the bigger picture ultimately, and it, it, as you say, it is going to be ideally a young defender with a, a reasonable pool of sort of appearances that the, the recruitment team can look into and sort of determine, I suppose, is, is this going to yeah. be a huge risk on us? Um, but yes, it's yeah. another another name, one of many names I'm sure we'll see, uh, certainly ahead of the, the summer window. And of course, I'm sure we'll be I able saw, to keep track of all the latest. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, saw another, I saw another name link got the winner for, for Leverkusen at the weekend, didn't he? You got the, got the 90th minute winner for, for Leverkusen in Capier. So, yeah, look, there's going to... I'm sure we'll talk about centre backs between now and May and on a regular basis. You know, um, you can generally put, you can generally rule out ones who Liverpool aren't going to sign. When you see when you see them linked with 29 year old sort of you know established, yeah. Yeah. when you see them linked with Rafael Varane and things like that, or you know players, you you can pretty much tick that one off and say no, that's that's not happening. But the key now is finding the right one from the sort of, like you say, the big pool of, of younger up-and-coming ones playing across Europe's top five, six leagues. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'd imagine we'd have a, quite a, a number to go through uh, around the summer. Sadly, not as much uh, this January, but it's been a quiet January all round for pretty much mostly everyone uh, in the Premier League, barring a few exceptions. Uh, Neil, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on here as Always, of course, we can catch your work and all the latest updates around Liverpool Football Club. Injuries, general developments, ongoings and transfers, the lot on your Substack recovering Liverpool. Do give that a look. Do give that a subscribe. Uh, you will not regret it. And of course, you're available on Twitter at Neil Jones Goal. Uh, we'll be sharing this conversation as well on our YouTube and our own Substack at empireofthecup.substack.com. Do give that a look. Uh, we do more stuff, I believe. I think uh, our other writer, Peter Kenny-Jones, uh, has published a 
piece uh, on a former Liverpool player as well recently in his annals of history. Very much worth giving that a go. But for now, we have been Empire of the Cop Insider. We've had the very lovely Neil Jones. I've been your host, Farrell Keeling. Take care. <laughs>